BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, November 21st, 2023, Thanksgiving week here uh, in the United States. Professor Jeffrey Sachs joins us now. Professor Sachs, a pleasure as always. Yeah, great I to want be to with talk you. to you at some length about uh, your uh, compelling comments that you delivered to the United Nations the other day. But before we do, just a couple of other questions, one of which is in your other uh, wheelhouse. Uh, as an economist, how has the uh, Israeli economy suffered from the sudden loss of uh, 350,000 um, males of age 20 to 40 who are now re- who are reservists and now in the military, as well as the loss of uh, labor uh, customarily performed by the Palestinians that were allowed to leave Gaza and come to Israel and work. Is any of that uh, measurable? Well, it's a huge uh, jolt to the economy. We call it a supply side shock and a demand side shock. The supply side is, as you say, a a massive diversion of resources from the civilian economy, from day-to-day life and day-to-day work to uh, the military. Uh, That's a big deal. And at the same time, this war is very expensive. Uh, All wars are very expensive. Uh, And uh, I heard a number, which I can't verify, of of $100 million a a day. Uh, I don't know whether that's right, but uh, it's a lot. And it's a big burden uh, from the budgetary point of view. And Israel will pay a a heavy price for that. And of course, uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, is proposing, or the Biden administration is proposing, to pick up a lot of uh, that tab as well. And we're not exactly in a healthy fiscal situation. We have an enormous deficit, which reflects in no small part the uh, extraordinary military spending of our country. So uh, all in all, wars are uh, bad for the economy, uh, bad for the budget. Uh, you know, if people think a war is uh, is good because it boosts the spending and so forth, yeah, maybe if you are uh, Northrop Grumman or, or Boeing uh, or General Dynamics, okay, I can imagine it's not bad for you. But if you're the rest of us, this is uh, no help at all. We have other things to do with our time, our money, our resources, our budget revenues, and we should be doing other things with them. 
Now, the U.S. has not started um, to send, because I don't think the Congress authorized it yet, uh, any uh, funds or right. equipment to Israel from and after October 7th, other than the aid that had been pre-authorized, which was before the attack uh, on October 7th. But whatever we send now, we'll have to borrow, either by, probably from the Chinese. It's almost absurd. We're going to borrow from the Chinese and give to the Israelis, and then we're going to print cash to pay the interest on the borrowed money. I think everybody understands that our public debt has soared to more than 100% of our national income. And on top of that rising mass of debt uh, is the sharply higher interest rates. So suddenly uh, the interest payments on the debt are not a, a footnote, but have become a very, very major part of our budget outlays. And when the Congressional Budget Office projects forward based on our current policies and extends them out in future years, the debt to GDP, that is the share of the ratio of our public debt to our national income, continues to rise sharply uh, in the decades ahead to reach uh, 180 or 190% of our national income by the middle of the century. So, you know, we don't pay our bills, but we say, don't worry, we'll pay other people's bills too. Yeah. Not a yeah, good I, idea. I don't, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but but I got to ask you another question. How long could the United States survive uh, with a debt to GDP ratio like that? Well, we can survive, but it's, uh, it, it is uh, very unhealthy because the interest payments will start swamping other things that we absolutely need to do in our society to have a decent society. Uh, it squeezes out everything else. And so we're, I'm sorry to break some, uh, some heavy news to people, but uh, even though no political party will touch this, and I don't know for how many years to come, we're going to actually need higher taxes in this country. And that's not my speaking uh, as a, a lefty or a liberal, it's looking at the budget. Uh, and so this is real. For a long time, both parties completely pretended that it's not real. Both parties. The Republicans pretended you pay, you make a tax cut and we gain more in output so we don't even lose revenues. Okay, wonderful story. Uh, and uh uh, for 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 the next uh, fairy tale, we'll we'll go someplace else. The Democrats basically took a different line. Ah, the debt doesn't really matter. We owe it to ourselves. Interest rates are low as far as the eye can see. Uh, another fairy tale. Uh, and right. so both parties have done this. But from 2000 till today, the debt in 2000 was about 35 percent of our national income. Now it's around 100% of our national income. You could debate a little higher, a little lower, depending right. on what, what's covered. That's striking. That's startling. Uh, that's the responsibility, or better said, the irresponsibility of both parties. Correct. That is war after war that has been Correct. funded out of borrowing. Correct. And now we want to fund other people's wars, too. It's extraordinary. Correct. Um, are you satisfied that the uh, plan of Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu is to uh, eradicate Gaza and the West Bank of all Palestinians? 
we don't know about the West Bank yet, but the result of the policies right now is absolutely ethnic cleansing in Gaza. They say, no, 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 don't even, you know, uh, longtime colleagues and friends of mine in Israel, how dare you use that expression? Well, if you destroy half the housing in northern Ghana, you've cleansed the region. If you have pushed hundreds of thousands of people south and then announce, as they're doing right now, we're moving into south Gaza, what else can you call it? This is not a hunt for Hamas. This is destroying Gaza. And we know that there are people in uh, the Netanyahu cabinet who are vulgar and explicit on these points. Uh, And it's unbelievable incitement. It is war crimes as far as I'm concerned. Uh, And I think uh, legal specialists are, are going to be finding that. It's horrific. And uh, it's ongoing. I don't know if you know of or have ever met this retired Israeli Major General Giora Eland, E-I-L-A-N-D. Major uh, General Eland is the former head of the National Security Council and current advisor to the defense minister and to the prime minister, who sees no difference between the Hamas fighters uh, and the civilian population. And that's the advice that he's giving on a daily basis to the defense minister. He, he's come just one word short of, of the phrase ethnic cleansing uh, or the word genocide. Quite frankly, I'd never heard of him until one of our colleagues uh, sent me a piece which uh, quotes a speech that he uh, gave uh, just the other day. And uh, the finance guy, Smotrich, I think I have his name right. That's right. Uh, tweeted out the speech and put it out on all of his social media. He liked it uh, so much. What's, what's This is dangerous stuff, Jeff. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. Dot Georgetown dot edu slash podcast. It, it, well, it's extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, it, it's criminal behavior, and I don't mean that uh, in an emotional sense. I mean that in a literal sense. And uh, the Centers for Constitutional Studies, uh, one of the uh, think tanks in our country on constitutional studies, say that uh, there's growing evidence of genocide. And under the Genocide Convention, uh, genocidal intent is part of uh, the crime of genocide. You have to show intent. And these Israeli leaders are leaving a trail of intent, which is absolutely shocking. And uh, this uh, 
uh, Centers for Constitutional Study uh, has said that the United States, by providing armaments and standing uh, 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 along uh, with Israel is complicit in uh, this uh, possible genocide. Now, uh, I want to be careful that these are potential legal claims, but I think that they have potential significant merit. And all of this over-the-top or under-the-bottom rhetoric of these Israelis is setting a record uh, that is stark for referrals to the International Criminal Court and for the Court of Global Opinion. I was at the UN, I'm at the UN frequently, but in the UN General Assembly, at the UN Security Council, people are watching and they're hearing this and they're completely shocked by it. I want to um, uh, run uh, two clips first. Uh, Admiral Kirby yesterday on genocide. This is about as uh, animated as I've seen him. Apparently someone, I don't know how you can do this, spray painted on one of the walls of the White House. I don't know how a human being can get to a wall of the White House that wants to spray paint it and they spray painted. Well, I don't even remember during the Vietnam War anybody spray painting anything negative about LBJ in the White House. Anyway, somebody spray painted genocide Joe. Someone on the staff? No. <laughs> Well, we don't know okay. who it was. We won't go know. there. <laughs> no, God. Well, apparently there's a lot on the staff that uh, are of that view. Nevertheless, so, yes. somebody spray painted that. Here's Admiral Kirby, about as animated as I've ever seen him on genocide. I said this the other day. Again, people can say what they want on on the sidewalk, and, that, and we respect that. That's what the First Amendment's about. But this word genocide is getting thrown around in a pretty inappropriate way by lots of different folks. Uh, what Hamas wants, make no mistake about it, is genocide. They want to wipe Israel off the map. They've said so publicly more than one occasion. In fact, just recently. And they've said that they're not going to stop. What happened on the 7th of October is going to happen again and again and again. And what happened on the 7th of October? Murder, slaughter of innocent people in their homes or at a music festival. That's genocidal intentions. Yes, there are too many civilian casualties in Gaza. Yes, the numbers are too high. Yes, fam too many families are grieving. And yes, we continue to urge the Israelis to be as careful and cautious as possible. That's not going to stop from the president right on down. But Israel is not trying to wipe the Palestinian people off the map. Israel's not trying to wipe Gaza off the map. Israel's trying to defend itself against a genocidal terrorist threat. So when we're going to start, if we're going to start using that word, fine, let's use it appropriately. I'm convinced that he's incorrect, that Israel does want to wipe Gaza off the map, that it does want to remove the Palestinian people from what Israel claims is greater uh, Israel, whether they're civilians, women, children, poor, young, old or not. You know, when we use an expression like what does Israel want to do, of course, uh, what we mean is what do particular uh, politicians uh, and particular leaders want? We to mean do? the Netanyahu government. The yeah, we mean specifically the, the, the cabinet the or there. the Israeli defense forces or others. Right. And there, there is a growing uh, body of statements that are really ugly. Uh, and they have been compiled, as I said, by the Center for Constitutional Studies. 
uh, and uh, that center uh, made a lawsuit. I don't know whether uh, it uh, was thrown out or not. I haven't followed uh, the events, but uh, they made a lawsuit in uh, California uh, claiming uh, that the United States was uh, guilty of uh, complicity in war crimes and uh, potential genocide. Uh, and uh, in providing, uh, making that uh, lawsuit, they provided dozens of pages of evidence that people should look at, including Mr. Kirby, to start with, because Mr. Kirby's throwing around uh, slogans and, and narrative, uh, but he should look at what's actually being said by people that he's defending. And what is being said is absolutely ugly and disgusting and not just words, the fact of the matter is Israel is, uh, and when I say Israel, okay, I mean uh, the, uh, the Israeli uh, army and government is in the process of killing thousands and thousands of people and thousands of children, and they know they're doing this and destroying the habitability of Gaza. And some have said, and I can only paraphrase, it, but the words matter, so we have to know the precise words, which I don't have in front of me, to the effect that Gaza won't be uh, habitable again. I think I'm fairly paraphrasing at least right. some so, of these politicians. But the point is, there is a growing record. It's not going to be up to Mr. Kirby making a claim. There's going to be a full record of the statements. And the Israeli politicians are not being prudent. They are not being uh, restrained. There is no forbearance. They, many of them, are absolutely speaking in the worst, most intemperate, insightful, and hateful ways. And it's completely distressing. But more than that, uh, it is uh, establishing a record that they will really regret of having said it this way. You um, recently gave a compelling and articulate uh, statement to uh, the United Nations. I don't, didn't know the private citizens. I, I realized the high regard that our world uh, diplomats have for you, but I didn't know that private citizens got to address the United Nations, but you did. And I read it and many of us uh, read it. But isn't the United Nations effectively toothless to stop this when the United States is going to veto anything that comes out of the Security Council that purports to uh, admonish Israel? What I uh, said with this uh, great honor of uh, addressing the UN Security Council is that the UN Security Council under the UN Charter has all the teeth it needs to bite into these wars and actually end them because it has the power to deploy armies, peacekeepers, sanctions, to make referrals to the International Criminal Court, and to do many other things. Because in the wisdom of the founders of the United Nations in 1945, under uh, Chapter 7 of uh, the UN Charter, uh, the UN Security Council is empowered to keep the peace. So what I called on them to do is, especially for the P5 countries, those with the veto, that's uh, the United States, China, 
Russia, UK, and France to work together to end these wars because these wars are not in America's interest nor in the interests of any one of the P5 countries. And if they work together, rather than grandstanding or vetoing, they have all the tools they need to end four wars that I talked about yesterday, the Israel-Gaza war, the Ukraine war, the war in Syria, and the war in the Sahel of Africa. All of them could be stopped immediately by the cooperation of the United States, China, Russia, UK, and France. And people say, oh, it's impossible to get cooperation. But the fact of the matter is, it's the United States which is standing uh, standing alone in, uh, in evading responsibility. And it's the United States. So weird. It's not Russia. It's not China. It's yeah. not anyone else. Well, was, the UN amb- was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations there when you spoke, Professor Sachs? She was right across from me. I was staring her in the eye. She was staring me in the eye. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to talk to her since then. But uh, absolutely, she was right across the table. And um, I hope that she heard because what I was saying was not a wish list of wouldn't the world be nice if. I was pointing out for four wars how to end them now in that chamber because wars can be ended by diplomacy, not only on the battlefield. But for diplomacy, you have to accept a diplomatic outcome. And that's, for example, Israel doesn't want to accept a diplomatic outcome of what every UN Security Council resolution has called for, which is political rights for the Palestinian people. So it bombs, levels Gaza, kills thousands or possibly tens of thousands of people before this is over because it doesn't want a diplomatic outcome. But what about the United States? The U.S. professes to want a diplomatic outcome. President Biden said at the end of this is a two-state solution. So I said very practically, and it is practical, it's not some kind of dream, declare a state of Palestine now. The UN Security Council has the tools to do this, but the United States blocks the use of those tools. So instead of President Biden saying, oh, it's at the end of this, after how many thousands of children are killed, he could say it today and stop the killing. So get on with it already. Let's just talk a big picture for a minute, because your life's work has been in this. What is the value of international law if there is no mechanism for enforcement of it? Again, international law is our saving grace. But, and we have the mechanisms to use it. We can deploy sanctions. We can deploy peacekeepers. We can do many powerful things. But if the United States blocks it, then it doesn't work. So this is up to us to use international law effectively. The laws on the books right now, those are UN Security Council resolutions, have everything in them 
to make peace. It's all a matter of enforcement. And the point I was making yesterday is the United States is blocking enforcement. Now, why do we do that? We do that because we think we're so powerful, we're so mighty that we don't have to use international law. We just get our way. What way exactly are we getting right now? Trillions of dollars of wasted money on wars, hundreds of thousands or millions of people dying in, if you add across these wars uselessly, endangering United States security around the world. What exactly are we getting by not sitting down with China, Russia, UK, and France to settle these wars? We're not getting anything out of this. That's the plain fact. And that's, I think, the American people are understanding this more and more. They're, interestingly, in the opinion polling, President Biden shows up at the bottom on foreign policy. People right. don't believe that there's any coherent foreign policy. What does it mean at the end of this is a two-state solution when the two-state solution has been on the table for 56 years? What does it mean at the end of this? Make it tomorrow. Make it today. Make it this afternoon. You have the instruments to do that now. Professor Sachs, we could talk about this all afternoon, but, but we're trying to get as many of our regular and highly sought after right. guests. Of, of course. You are foremost uh, crammed into uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we have to we have to run. But thank you very much for your time. Happy Thanksgiving. And, Happy uh, Thanksgiving thank you so much. You and, and uh, Mrs. Sachs and your family. I know you're uh, traveling soon, but we'll we'll catch up with you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. We'll do that. Bye-bye. All the best. Uh, Colonel uh, Lawrence Wilkerson at noon, just a couple of minutes from now, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.